0: Well, what does it mean to live and relate in generous ways towards the body of believers and towards the world in a way that accurately reflects the heart of God? That's the question that we kind of began with last week, and we're going to continue on that theme today as we participate in the Advent Conspiracy Movement uh, in terms of how we celebrate Christmas. Does our worship, our spending, our use of time, our relationships, do all those things connect with the story of the incarnation of God uh, putting on flesh giving us himself and is it set apart from the way in which the world operates and celebrates uh, not just at Christmas but really throughout the year as well is the story we are living and passing on to our children in concert with the story of Christ's humble birth and generous and sacrificial heart towards his people last week I shared with you the four themes of Advent Conspiracy which are give more, spend less, worship fully, and love all. And so we're focusing uh, today on the spend less portion um, and really just talking about what it means to be generous uh, in general. I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians once again. We're going to be in chapter 9 today. It's page 805 in your pew Bibles. Second Corinthians 9, we're going to start with verses uh, 6 through 9. Paul is writing and he says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So just as a refresher, last week I kind of explained to you uh, the context behind this offering that Paul was taking from the people in the city of Corinth, um, He was collecting this offering for the churches in and around the area of Jerusalem, and so this was uh, a gift from the uh, Greek-speaking and culturally uh, Greek people, kind of in the northern part of the Mediterranean there, uh, to the Jews in Israel uh, in the southern part. Um, You know, different cultures, different languages, but still one body of Christ, and those churches down in Jerusalem, I explained last week, they had been experiencing pretty intense persecution. They'd also been under a famine. And so Paul, as he plants these new churches up north of there, um, he's reminding these people that as one part of the body of Christ suffers, we all suffer. And he makes it very clear that it's, it's our responsibility as Christians to, to then step in and provide for the needs of others. And these new Christians, as we, as we looked at last week um, in Greece and Macedonia, they responded to this call with just tremendous generosity. Uh, Paul said that these people were, were actually begging him for the privilege uh, of getting to share with their brothers and sisters in need. And Paul begins today, as we looked at verse 6, um, he began uh, with a cultural saying. That people would have been familiar with. It's kind of like a phrase that we might have in our culture like, um, you know, don't count your chickens before they're hatched. But but this phrase was um, familiar to them and it goes like this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So he's obviously using an agricultural analogy here. And the picture I get in my mind of, of somebody who sows sparingly, you know, I think of a farmer who um, might be just kind of really cautious and deliberate in the way in which they plant. And um, maybe stingy might be uh, the best word, or prudent. Um, but if you, if you relate that then to somebody uh, in, in the context of the church... Um, It might be somebody who, um, you know, they get up and and it's Sunday morning and it's their time to give and they write that check out before they come to church. And no matter what happens at church that day, no matter how passionate uh, or, or, or compelling a need might be that morning, they are not giving anything but what they wrote on that check. And they're putting it in the box. And, and, and their mindset is kind of, you know what? God told me to give this amount, and by golly, that's what I'm going to do. And they're, they're guided by this sense of, of following the law, the rules, and really kind of ignoring the spirit. Contrast that with the person who scatters the seed generously, uh, who doesn't take such great pains to kind of control the planting process, but they're just kind of more liberal with their distribution. In my mind, this is kind of a person who's, just more open to the spirit, willing to kind of consider um, what needs might be there, even if it goes kind of outside of what they had originally thought or intended to give. It might be a person who's even willing to consider kind of reorganizing their finances or maybe cutting back on some commitments that they've made in order to be able to give more. And Paul says there will be a great difference in the end at the harvest of what those two different kinds of mindsets will reap because of their attitudes towards giving. Starting in verse 7, Paul gives us several just really practical um, uh, wisdom or insight into into giving. First, he says, Giving is an individual matter, settled in one's own heart, not based on comparing ourselves to to what other people give or whatever the Joneses are doing. But really, it's, it's what is God saying to you in particular. Secondly, he says, Giving requires resolve. Paul says each man should give what he has decided. And so it has to be intentional. So giving should be something that you, you know, if you're single or, or if you have a spouse, you sit down with your family and you say, you know, what is God asking us to do? You pray about it, you talk about it, and then you make a decision based on what God is calling your family to do. And two important questions that I like to tell people that they should kind of consider when they're trying to figure out what does giving look like for us? Because obviously, especially those that are older, that we know that we go through certain seasons of life. And we, you know, I know my first teaching job uh, in 1992, I made like $27,000 and my wife was still in school. And so, you know, we got by somehow. I can't imagine how it worked back then, but, but we did. So I asked people two questions. Are you giving appropriately? For the income level that you're at, and also coupled in mind with what God asks you to give, and then secondly, are you giving generously? And so, for somebody you know like us who who started off with pretty meager income, um, giving five percent of your income might be appropriate for where you are, it, and it might even be generous. For other folks, you know, now that we've you know gone on and I'm making millions here at Wellspring, um, you know, I can I can write my my ten percent check, you know, and it's 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 an appropriate. Place for where we are and allows us to then also be generous above and beyond that at times. Um, for other folks who've, who've really been abundantly blessed in life, 10% really might not be really appropriate for your giving level. It might not really even hurt to write that 10% check. You might really be able to go above and beyond that. So, two questions to ask is it appropriate and is it generous? And it should be both of those things. And finally, Paul says that our giving should be done with a cheerful heart, not reluctantly. And I would venture to guess that that God would would rather, if you can't give cheerfully, he would rather you just not give. The Bible is littered with examples of God speaking to the people of Israel at different times in their history, and times when their hearts had kind of grown hard, and they were kind of still showing up at church and going through the motions, uh, but they were doing it kind of half-hearted and kind of in a disgenuine way. And there's many verses where God basically just says to those people, you know what? If you're gonna to come to me with kind of that half-hearted attitude, I'd really rather you just not come at all because the, what you're saying and the things you're doing during those church services really doesn't uh, honor me. <laughs> and I just assume you, you go away and do something else until you can come back with the right spirit. And so I think God's heart for giving is much the same. Guys, if you're not gonna be excited about it, if you're gonna do it reluctantly, just keep your money. God doesn't need it. The real motivation to give is because one cannot help but give. And you know, when I think about that concept, I'm reminded of um, Peter and John. Peter and John in the book of Acts, after Jesus' death and resurrection, they've been going around, they've they've been teaching the gospel, they were filled with the Spirit when Jesus ascended into heaven, and they've been having these powerful results, and thousands of people have been coming to the Lord, and the Jews are very not excited about that, and so they call them in, and they demand that they stop preaching and teaching about Christ and the disciples responded to them by saying we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard we can't help it because of God's great love for us it's like a magnet gets reversed in our lives i know when i was when i was younger and definitely before i knew christ it was like the magnet was pulling everything to me you know it was all about me and me getting what i wanted out of life And then through a relationship with Christ and understanding of what he's done for me, it's like the magic gets reversed and the flow starts heading in the other direction. And people in our hearts start being concerned more about how can I bless other people instead of myself. Matthew 10, 8 tells us, freely you have received, freely give. I want to be honest with you, though. it, It took me a while to get to that place. I know when I um, first came to Christ as a teenager and then kind of through my college years, I was really selfish. And I didn't mind giving a few dollars here or there, but I certainly didn't want my giving to impede on me attaining this lifestyle that I was hoping to have once I started making all that teaching money, you know? The Bible says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And at that time in my life, my heart was really into getting stuff. It kind of reminded me, my attitude reminded me of a a character on an old Saturday Night Live skit I'd like to share with you. Where's my stuff? That's what I wanted to know when I was younger. God had to do some adjusting in my heart. And um, I think it's important that we all be reminded what the whole issue of generosity hinges on. Because I believe it, it absolutely revolves around our understanding uh, and appreciation of God's generosity towards us. If we don't have an appreciation for God's generosity to to all of mankind, then we will continue to be reluctant and stingy givers. So I just want, as a a matter of practical exercise this morning, I want you to take your, your program, if you came in there, and you can grab a pen. And just in a very brief amount of time here, off the top of your head... I want you just to write down as many ways as you can think of as how God has been generous towards you. How has God been generous towards you? Just take a second and write that down. Anybody have some things they'd like to to share, some examples of God's generosity towards them in some way? Yeah, Monica. Having a good family and a good life? life? What else? Having Having a stable job? Yeah. Forgiveness? Forgiveness? yeah his forgiveness extends towards us Eric what's that progress Progress in your life okay yeah 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 God providing for us in, in many many different ways at different times in our life yeah other things yeah he died for us. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Anything? Okay, yeah, our health. Yeah. Sure. There's lots of different things. Some, sometimes those things can be kind of focused on the blessings of God, um, the ways in which he blesses our lives. Sometimes it could be more focused on just kind of who he is and what he offers us. You know, I I've thought of things like the fact that he allows us to be a part of his ministry, and to share in his blessings. Um, he extended that invitation of forgiveness that we mentioned before we had really done anything to deserve it. He daily grants us grace, mercy, and life beyond what we deserve. He gave us his Spirit as as a deposit or a promise of the eternal life that we're going to have. That Spirit that also gives us the power to live the life that he called us to live. I mean, I could go on and on about the different ways. And, and as I grow, as I've grown in my understanding over the, the years, my ability and my desire to give has grown uh, in relationship to that. For years now, you know, I was kind of like that girl in the skit, right? Where's my stuff? But, but now that I've matured um, and, you know, definitely have a better haircut um, than she had, um, I would consider my wife and I, you know, in the last several years of our life as very cheerful givers. Um... People who really um, enjoy giving and merely is based on the understanding of God's giving towards us, not because the Bible says we have to or because some pastor stood up some day and said, hey, you should do this. But my desire to give flows from a much deeper place. I don't dread it. I don't resent it. I don't sit around thinking about, oh, man, if I had all that money that I'd given over the last 10 years to the church, think about what I could have done with that, you know, the things I could have had. I see it as a privilege, but it took me a while to get to that place, because really what it meant was that I had to kind of confront my wants, and I had to grow in my appreciation and my contentment with the fact that my needs were really taken care of, Um, and maybe I didn't have as many wants as I thought I used to. Paul goes on in the scripture, the passage we were just reading in verse 8, to list several parties that become the beneficiaries of generous giving. Who benefits when we give generously? Verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So he says, All grace abounds to the giver, which means that he'll give us kind of unmerited favor, things that we don't deserve. You know, the great thing about about following God is that, for one, he gives us the money to begin with by giving us a a sound mind, an opportunity for education, by giving us employment. So he blesses us by providing for us initially. It's not of our own doing. And then he gives us the opportunity to be blessed again by giving some of it away. Now the key phrase in verse 8 is this, having all that you need. What does that mean exactly? Paul wrote in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 8, he said, But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Now, you and I might add a few more things to that list, man, food, clothing, shelter. You know, my wife would say Diet Coke, you know. If I just have that, I think I'll be okay. You might have a few more qualifiers. Paul lived in a different time, a different culture than we do. Um, but it begs the question, how much, how much do we need in order to be content? Because the answer to that question will probably be the determining factor in deciding what sowing generously looks like for us in life. Check out the quote that I came across this week. It says, And the less one wants, the greater the means for relieving the needs of others. How much do we need? And how might that affect our generosity towards other people? Those those are great questions to ask. And I've got to be honest with you guys. I mean, there's a lot of really generous people here. I'm not standing up before this audience like trying to browbeat you and talk about how stingy all of you guys are. That's not what I'm doing. There are a lot of generous people here. I've been very impressed with over the years how much people are willing to give. Verse 9 Uh, is actually a quote from Psalm 112, 9. And it gives us this imagery again of scattering abroad the gifts of the poor, but it tells us also the destiny of a person who does that. It says, if you are a liberal giver, your righteousness will endure forever. Which means that just this idea is that your generosity will will kind of continue on and and will, will be a blessing. It won't soon be forgotten. We'll find out how as we head into this next part of Scripture. Let's look at verses 10 through 15. He says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You see, God is looking intently on his people. And he is looking for people whose hearts are bent towards generosity. And he's looking for those folks so that he can bless them more and give them more so that they can go out and continue to be a blessing to others. He supplies us the seed to begin with, and he has the ability to multiply that so that the impact of it grows exponentially. And so another benefactor of our giving are the, are the recipients who will overflow in many expressions of thanks to God. I don't know if you've been in those situations where you've had an opportunity to be generous to others. I know, obviously, our trips to El Salvador, that's definitely been the case. Um, you know, around St. Joe, for some reason, I tend to meet people who are kind of stranded wanderers who are looking for bus tickets home. And just the thankfulness of, of people uh, when you give to them, if they have a, a destination they're trying to get, if things just kind of haven't turned out right for them here. Or the family that you might adopt at Christmas who now has the opportunity to, to give presents to their kids, just that gratitude that flows from them. The final benefactor, benefactor in our generosity is God. Paul says that men will praise him because of our service and obedience that we've shown. And verse 13, I think, is really powerful because it reminds us, that any collection that we take is really just an expression of God's grace at work in the lives of the contributor. When you sit down and you write that, that check, those numbers you put down a lot of times are fueled by the grace that you understand that you've been given and that you've received from God that impacts your giving. Our generosity is tied to our understanding of the gospel. So if we're stingy, we have a stingy and incomplete understanding of God's goodness towards us. Anyone who I believe his life has been really transformed by God's goodness, it'll be easy for them to be generous to the people around them. And in the context of the story we're talking about today, the Jews in Jerusalem, they were a little bit leery about these. These Gentiles, these Greeks that Jesus was that Paul was preaching to and, and taking the gospel to. They weren't sure that they were, were quite, you know, full believers like they were. And so Paul knows, guys, this, this gift that you're given, this will be a true sign to these folks that you've really received the gospel and that you are imitating Christ in the way that you provide for the needs of others. Verse 14 gets at the principle of receiving. He's saying, you know what, it's not a good enough just to be grateful when people give us or uh, generous towards us, that it should lead to prayer. It should be, lead to us praying for those people that have been generous to us. And, and, and in our prayers for those folks, we go closer to them in relationship. And I don't know about you, it's, it's, I've always found it just a really humbling place to be. I, I've stood in circles in Haiti in El Salvador, and Nicaragua, and even just here in St. Joe, where I know that, that what I've given to these people financially or just through my service of being there pales in comparison to what I'm receiving by having them pray for me it, with just thankful hearts for whatever I've done for them or the organization that I'm working for. I, I know when I'm standing there, I'm getting more than what I've given and finally we end with verse 15. Paul says, "Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift." That's the gift of Jesus Christ, the one in whom we wait and prepare for this Advent season. That famous verse in the book of John, John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world that he gave." As we make room in our hearts for the arrival of Jesus, I pray that our hearts would be expanded by the generosity of God's love towards us through the indescribable gift of his son. And I pray that we might be challenged by God's generosity to sow generously so that people in drought-stricken countries could receive water and then understand that it's because of Christ, because of his living water, that that gift was given to them. That we might be generous so that children who have been abandoned and abused and orphaned in Nicaragua might have a place to call home. Adults that might love and care for them. A church community that might come around them. Give them an opportunity for education. An opportunity to have a hope for a brighter future in their life. We can give without loving. You can give without loving. People do it all the time. People write checks. Out of guilt, out of obligation, out of a sense of, you know, getting a tax break. There's all kinds of reasons why people give that's kind of detached from emotion or compassion. But we cannot love without giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. And I'm not talking about just financial giving this morning. I'm talking about giving of everything that we are, giving of our time, giving of our talents, our energies, our emotion. We've talked about a lot as we talked about life together, of entering into the pain of others, giving of myself, my attention, my care to somebody in need. If we're going to be great Christians, our lives have to be marked by great generosity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your example. Lord, you you spared nothing. You withheld nothing from us. You gave what was most precious to you so that we might be forgiven, so that we might have life. Well, Heavenly Father, we have so many opportunities to to bless others. Lord, and and the beautiful part of it is that when people are blessed and when people receive from from the generosity that, that we give, you get the praise. You get the thanks and the glory and the honor. Father, I pray that you would stretch us, that we would ask those questions in everything, our time, our money, our talents. Is what we're giving appropriate for the season of life we're in, for the circumstances that we're experiencing right now? And is it generous? Does it go beyond what we feel like we're capable of? Does it stretch us? Does it stretch us to to love that person who's hard to love, to sit with them and listen to their pain, to walk with them towards healing. Can we be generous in the way that we use the gifts you've given us that sometimes stretch us beyond what's comfortable for us? Can we do that with our spending? And can all of it just reflect your generosity towards us, God? Let that be the thing that fuels us. I pray that, that we would be like the, the disciples who just said, we can't help <laughs> but to give. We can't help but to tell of God's great giving towards us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.